Our scripture lesson today is a look at the early church, a description of what the first Christians look like in the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Let's share in God's good word together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Do you ever wake up with more on your mind than you can ever get done in a day? Busyness functions like addiction. When you stop, you have to face your thoughts, which can be terrifying, especially if you haven't ever done it before or haven't faced your thoughts or your sadness or your anxiety in a long time. In his book, The Common Rule, Justin Whitmill Early writes, All the years of a schedule built on going nonstop to try to earn my place in the world had finally rubbed off on my heart. My head said one thing, that God loves me no matter what I do. But my habits said another, that I'd better keep striving in order to stay loved. In the end, I started to believe my habits, mind, body, and soul. Well, friends, we all do. We become what we do. Annie Dillard wrote, How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Where are your habits leading you these days? Where are our habits as a church leading us? Friends, for the next four weeks, I'm inviting you to join me on a journey into peace and power in the midst of multiple pandemics. Our faith has a way of life to carry us through the tumultuous time. Now you may say, Pastor Mark, I don't have time for this or even one more thing in my life. Well, friend, for millions that have gone before us and lived well, they found that they didn't have time not to. These healthy habits or spiritual practices have helped Christians for centuries, and they can help us again today. So let's get started. As a way of introduction, we all live according to specific habits. We all have habits that we do, most of which we never intentionally chose. They just became our habits. So we all live according to specific habits, and those habits shape most of our life. As a matter of fact, a Duke University study suggests that 40%, 40% of our everyday actions are not choices at all, but habits. Have you ever driven home from work and pulled into your driveway and thought, I don't remember how I got from there to here? It was just habits. You don't remember a single turn or a single stop. And miraculously, voila, from home to work and from work back to home, you simply arrive. Because your mind is busy doing other things. Maybe working on a problem with a child or with a spouse or with a boss or at work or something else. And you're just on autopilot. And according to that Duke University study, nearly half of our life can be like that if we're not careful. Now, then there are some keystone habits. And a keystone habit is a micro shift that brings about macro effects. And that's what the early church found. Just a few things, really four in the Acts 2 church, 
Those four things changed the entire world. They were connected to Christ, and then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. And we're going to talk about two of those today. Many of our habits have been chosen for us by people who do not have our best interest in mind. That's why we need to follow the Bible and we need to follow God because God loves us better than anyone else on the planet can or ever has or ever will. And so the thing that we need to realize is that we can either follow God or we can follow someone else who's more than happy to use us and our resources, our time, and our lives for their benefit. Because here's the truth about habits, friends. They are not neutral. Habits are not neutral. Say that with me. Habits are not neutral. They're always leading you one way or the other. And so you have to ask yourself the question, is my habit of staying up late at night or getting up late or rushing out of bed or always waking up to alarm clock or having the notifications on my phone wake me up and get me spun up about the work I have to do that day, is that serving you well? The habits that you choose to allow in your life to eat whenever you can fit it in between all the things your kids are doing or your work demands, is that serving you well? Is that making you healthy? Are you feeling at peace? Is your body strong? Because we are all connected, body, mind, and relationships. No habit is neutral, friends. Again, uh, the writer Justin Whitmill Early, he says this, Habits form much more than our schedules. They actually form our hearts. And friends, that's a big deal, because around here you know that God looks at our heart. So many of you all know that um, our son Noah was doing some remodeling and uh, came through our roof um, back in July, and so we had to repaint our house uh, all through uh, just to make it match. And as we were doing that, we took things off the walls, and really for the first time in a decade, we have been super intentional about what goes up on those walls. So I want you to think about your house. This isn't our house, but I want you to think about it. Just sort of over time, um, you can, you know, get a couch or uh, a lamp or some artwork, and, and, and there it is. And just sort of out of habit or without a lot of thought, voila, your house is your house. Well, Justin, the writer of this book, um, decided to be honest with himself. And this is what he said. I want you to see this. He says, while the house of my life was decorated with Christian content, the architecture of my habits was just like everyone else's. Ouch. I wonder if our cars or our t-shirts or, you know, the houses of our lives uh, are more decorated with Christian or religious content than the actual beams and foundation and architecture. Are we really living differently than people who don't say they follow Jesus? That's a really important question. Because anxiety is up, anger is up, sadness and depression are up. And I just wonder if maybe... It's because, you know, the religious slogans, they don't do much. It's about the actual architecture of our life. Are we really built on following Jesus? And this is super important because then and now, what we do with our lives is who we become. We become our habits. And the early church survived the pandemic of the Roman Empire with four holy habits. So here they are. Uh, let me say this again. The early church survived the pandemic of Roman occupation with four holy habits. 
You may know them. They're on our church outside. We post them everywhere. They devoted themselves. Say them with me. Apostles teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Now, apostles teaching is scripture. When we study the Bible, we're doing what they did. Fellowship is really being there for one another. It is friendship with God and one another. The breaking of bread is eating together, fellowship meals, um, and communion. And then, of course, prayer. Today, we're going to look at two of these, um, fellowship and prayer. We're going to start with prayer. Prayer and fellowship are two healthy, holy habits that can save us again today because they connect us with God and they connect us with others, which is what Jesus tells us to do. He says these are the two great commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And of course, the people then and people now say, well, who's my neighbor? A neighbor is anyone and everyone who needs our love. Really, anyone and everyone who needs our love. And that's why our core value here at Acts 2 is to welcome all, to love authentically and to let our light shine. Because that's what it is to love God and love neighbor. Now, when we come to these things where we really want to follow Jesus, it is much more than about education. So you'll notice we don't use the phrase around here much, Christian education. What we're looking for is Christian formation. Let me tell you the difference. Education is what you learn and know. It's good. It's important. We value education here very highly. These are things that you're taught. But I don't want you to just know about Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. And that's what formation's all about. Formation is what you practice and do. Jesus says, follow me. He doesn't just say, well, listen to me. He says, follow me. Follow up on what I'm saying. Do what I do. He would send the disciples out and then bring them back and say, well, how'd it go? He wants us to do what he did. Formation is what you practice and do, things that are caught much more than taught. So Jesus says, follow me. Follow me, he says. He wants to be known. One of my favorite scenes in any movie of all time is from Elf. When Will Ferrell uh, goes to New York City and he hears that Santa Claus is coming. And he says, Santa! I know him! I know him! And he was so excited because he knew him. He didn't just know about him. And that's the transformation in your life and mine. When we know Christ, when we follow him, when we work alongside him, when we really know him, it changes everything. It's not about education, friends. It's about formation. And formation starts with prayer as we get to know God more and more. So if you want to get a grip on who you are becoming, you need to get your hands on your habits because your habits forms your days and your days form your years and your years form your life. And the early church and the first monastic communities understood this. And so they developed what they called a rule of life. And a rule of life is how we get our hands on our habits. St. Augustine was one of the first who developed a rule of life. Um, you might know that Martin Luther, the head of the Protestant Reformation, he was an Augustinian monk. Uh, he had come out of this monastic life where he had a rule of life. They lived certain ways. St. Benedict also had a rule of life. I recommend both St. Augustine and St. Benedict and their rules of life as something for you to study. Um, they're quite in-depth, and so we won't go, them, go into them here, um, but just know that what we're talking about today and in the coming weeks is patterned after these great Christian traditions. So here's the truth that they found, and that is this, that you can't know who Jesus is without following him. 
You can't know who Jesus is without following Jesus. And a rule is a set of habits you commit to in order to grow in your love of God and neighbor. We're back to the two greatest commandments, love of God, love of neighbor. These rules that we do together in community is how we grow in Christ-likeness. And so a rule of life, one of the most important parts of this, is that it's practiced with other people. Uh, we see this um, in the 12-step groups, like AA. At the close of each of those meetings, they'll say something like this. Keep coming back. It works if you work it, and you're worth it. It works if you work it, and you're worth it. So friends, these rules of life, I hope you'll work it with others other people in our faith community, other people in other faith communities, we hope that you will live out these practices of prayer and fellowship together with others. So change happens within a community where people support and love one another. You ever notice that you might have had some really big plans in your life to lose weight or uh, run a certain marathon or whatever, but it just never happens? Well, the people who are successful join a running club or join Weight Watchers, or do something like that, so that they have a community of love and support around them to get to the goals that they want. Certainly this is true in the Christian life. And many of us are taking these rules from the monastic communities hundreds and hundreds of years ago. We just don't necessarily connect the dots or talk about it. So, practicing a rule of life with others keeps a hard season from becoming a dangerous one. And that's what AA is all about. And those groups, what they talk about is a matter of life and death, as it is with Narcotics Anonymous. When they're sharing their life together, they know that it's a matter of life and death. And what we're talking about today is a matter of our souls, a matter of life and death. So one of the ways that the church has found to overcome the habits that we've just fallen into is to pray. And in particular, A particular posture helps us humble ourselves before God, as Jesus did, and gets us in tune with what God has for us and what we are to do with and for God. And so the first thing I want to recommend to us today is this. Kneeling prayer in the morning, at midday, and in the evening. Now, in the morning, it's super important. What's the first thing you think of when you wake up? For many of us, it's the last thing we were thinking of when we went to sleep. And if that's giving gratitude and thanks to God, then we're waking up pretty happy and uh, grateful and thankful for another night's sleep. But if you went to bed worried about that project that's due for work the next day, most of us are going to wake up worrying about that project that's due that day. We wonder if we can get it done. So here's a good question for us. Will you start your day answering to God or your smartphone? There's a right answer to that, by the way. God is a much better master than the notification of whatever rolls through your smartphone. And friends, there are a lot of smart app developers out there that know how to control your habits and how to move you and how to addict you to a game or a notification or a certain social feed. They know how to do that. They've studied it. There's documentaries about that that you could watch even tonight. I recommend them to you. It it might blow your mind. So here's the thing. There are people who want to control your habits, and God is the only good master. So I'm trying to help you get free of the things of this world and really have peace and joy in your life. By framing our day in prayer, we are framing the day in love. 
Let me say that again. By framing our day in prayer, we are framing the day in love. So when it comes to morning prayers, it's not hard. Um, It might be hard to get out of bed, but it is not really complex, not at all. So I want to show you some really good prayers. As you get up in the morning, kneel beside your bed, and this is what you say. Lord, have mercy. That's a good prayer. It's a good place to start. You might kneel by your bed and say, God, your kingdom come. That's a great prayer. Here's a prayer I pray all the time. Hey, God, please help. That's a great prayer. Maybe um, if you're like me and you have your children um, that are no longer in the home and uh, you, you don't see them every day, then maybe you pray this prayer. Good morning, God. Bless my children. Wherever they are, whatever they're doing, keep them safe. Bless my children. Or if you have kids in your home and they're driving you crazy, maybe you say, hey, God, bless and protect my children from me because they're driving me crazy. Whatever it is, these are good prayers because they're connecting you to God and reminding you that God is in control, that God loves you, God is with you. Another great prayer at the beginning of your day, God, guide my work. Or simply thank you. Thank you, God, for watching over me through another night. Amen. Because as we do this, we know that gratitude is the gateway to happiness. Gratitude is the way to happiness. Say that with me. Gratitude is the way to happiness. And if you wake up in the morning and you say, thank you, God, for another day, you are on your way to happiness. Now, if you're like me, in the morning, I have all kinds of ideas of all the things I'm going to get done that day. Sometimes I even have a list of all the things I'm going to get done, and I am so excited about it. And somewhere between noon and two, I come to the realization that I'm not going to get half of those things done. And it's kind of depressing. You know, I get to work, and I thought I was going to get this, this, and this knocked out, and I don't. Uh, There's some other things that came up that I wasn't expecting, and they took a lot more time than I thought, and it's kind of depressing. And if I'm not careful, I'm pretty sad or frustrated that the day's not going how I would like it. And so I need a reset. And if I'm not careful, I can get so caught up in the work of the day that I forget that my work is really, and your work too, meant to bless others. It's a gift to me. So one of the things we can do is that we can set an alarm for maybe 1 o'clock or 2.42 as we remember this scripture together. Because work is a gift God gives you to help others. It's a wonderful reminder. You can just stop and um, go in your office or um, maybe walk over to a window or simply turn your hands up and say, God, the rest of this day is yours. Help me prioritize what's most important to you. Let me do what you want done and give me peace with the rest. You'd be amazed how much better your afternoons go if you're allowing God to carry you through them. And then finally in the evening, I don't know if this ever happens to you. It certainly happens to me. Sometimes I'll carry the weight or the work or the worries of of my work home with me. And so if I'm not careful, I'll drag that right on in to my home and to my family. And so one of the things um, that Whitmill uh, Early suggests, uh, Justin Whitmill Early, he suggests that perhaps maybe we just pray in our garage. Before we turn the car off or before, uh, when we turn the car off and before we go inside, we just offer ourselves to God and say, Lord, I, you know, I don't know what's been going on in my family all day, but I offer the evening to you. Guide me. 
Bless me. Bless my family. Reconnect me to them well and let me leave the worries of my work at work and be present to my family tonight. It's a wonderful prayer. So, with evening prayer, before you turn off the car or um, with the child before they go to bed or uh, with your spouse or with your roommate or before you go to bed, connect with God in a way that makes sense for you. And again, kneeling is a wonderful way to remember that God is God and we are not and that God will take care of us. The evening can be a time of severe self-judgment. Justin Whitmo early writes, that's a worrisome thought. And because of it, I want to tune everything out. And many of us do. A drink sounds nice, two sound better. Sex sounds good, porn is easier. A conversation would help, but binging on TV will let me tune out. Catching up on reading would be restful. Twitter has some notifications that are probably more urgent. Lauren and I should spend some time talking. Talking is hard. And there's a podcast of a sermon that everyone said we should listen to. Oh, and an article is trending. There are more or less healthy ways to escape. But what I can't escape, he writes, is the desire to escape. Decision fatigue is real, friends. Avoid making important decisions after the sun goes down. The evening is a time of vulnerability. Make a plan now to end your day well and rest in peace. So, if you have children in the home, or maybe you could do this even with your spouse, uh, or a roommate, uh, or on Zoom, or just maybe you'll receive this today. Um, I love this prayer. It's a blessing uh, for small children, uh, but I also am reminded that we're all children of God, and so I want to share it with you. Here's the bedtime liturgy for children. Uh, I'll be the parent, and you just be a wonderful child of God, and so let's do a call and response together. Did God make you? Yes. Does God love you? Yes. Will God always protect you? Yes. Even more than I can? Yes. You are right. Now rest in the peace that the one who made the stars knows your name and will always love you and care for you. Good night. That's a good prayer. That's a great way to end the evening together as a family or even just remember yourself. The second holy habit, healthy habit that I want to share with you is fellowship. So important. Jesus called his disciples friends. Friends. We are to be friends with one another and even God and God's own self, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is a trinity of friendship and relationship. God made us to be in relationship with one another. In the garden, God says it's not good for us to be alone. Everything else was good, but to be isolated and alone was not good. And so God calls us to connection, to friendship. I love the way C.S. Lewis writes it. He says that friendships are born when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. Between my junior and senior year, I had a fellowship in New York City. And I had a friend named Mark. And we were walking through Central Park together. And as we were walking, and there were a group of about 10 of us, um, we see this big, huge black Labrador jump into a pond and go and retrieve um, something out of the pond. And at the exact same moment, without knowing each other more than about three days, we both said at the exact same time, I think dogs that swim are so cool. We said it in unison, in the same rhythm, and we just looked at each other like, wow, that was weird and really cool. I think we're going to be friends. And we were. We had a great summer together at our fellowship. 
it was really, really neat when you see somebody who you share things in common with and that they really get you. It's a wonderful thing. Friendship is one of the best things in life. So I want to invite you to talk with your friends. Really talk face to face. I want to invite you to have a weekly conversation where you practice courage and prioritize the time. You put your phone away. You have a face-to-face conversation, and you really get to know one another. You talk about the important things of your life. Now, there have been many times in this season of COVID in particular that when a congregant has needed prayer, I've been able to pray and text for them uh, and text them prayers or answer things, and I get that, and it's really wonderful. But friends, when it comes to friendship, real deep friendship, where you need to share, texting is not the way to do that. Actually, texting threatens true friendship because it allows us to create polished versions of ourselves. It allows us to wait till we get just the right word at just the right time and just the right way, and then we respond as the people we might hope to be, but not as the people we really are. And we can't be loved if we're not known. And so I want to encourage you to have a face-to-face conversation with a friend this week. Somebody that you either know very well or you'd like to know very well. And so it works best, if, particularly if you're married, that men meet with men and women with women so that there aren't other complicating issues uh, or worries. Um, but I would recommend this to you. Holy conversation where you're really checking on one another. And so uh, I know I'm not going to spend a lot of time on fellowship there, um, but it's really important and you can do it. I hope you will. So our action steps for this week, there too. The first we've walked through, kneeling prayer three times a day. First thing when you get out of bed, midday, set an alarm to help you do it, and in the evening before you go to bed. And then, secondly, fellowship. A one-hour face-to-face conversation with a friend. And here's the question. Is there anything you aren't telling me? That's a great question. And my hope is, over time, you'll be able to say, No, not a thing. That's the book on me. Because the great thing about friendship is being fully known and loved anyway, accepted anyway, blessed anyway. Be blessed, friends, this week. Know that God has you. Friends surround you. And the love of God is real and with you today. In Jesus' name. Let us pray together the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.